Heavenly Father, thank you so much for pushing our church more and more outward focus to our community to make an impact and live the gospel. And I ask that you'll uh, speak to us this morning as we uh, open your word. May we hear uh, your voice calling for us and searching for us too. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're just joining us this week, we're in the middle of a sermon series called True Love. We're going through the book of Song of Solomon. Today, our last week was a little, uh, little touch and go there for a bit. Today, there's no awkward conversations with your children after the message, so you'll be all right today. Uh, today's title is Hide and Seek. Two weeks ago, we talked about how, how Solomon, King Solomon, he's there and he's looking down the aisle and he sees Shulamit, the bride. Uh, he, she's coming down the aisle and she is gorgeous through his eyes. And we thought about how we as the bride of Christ look so much better through his eyes as well. Last week, we talked about Solomon and his to-be wife and how they waited until love was complete and fully committed before they opened up and aroused love. This week, we move on to something a little different, but I think that you'll connect with it as well. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love a good deal. I am a wheeler dealer. If you need something for cheap, let me know. I will find it on Facebook Marketplace faster than you can blink. While you guys are scrolling your news feeds and the reels, I'm just looking for deals. That's all. I just love looking for deals. I, sometimes I'll buy something just because it's a good deal. I don't even need it, but it's a good deal, so you got to buy it, right? I love good deals. When we moved to Florida a, a little while ago, two years ago, we experienced loss, but not like loss of family or loss of a church. We experienced the loss of a grocery store. See, Florida's cool and all, and I like Publix, and I like Aldi, but y'all don't know what Kroger is, do you? Have you seen, you know the logo, do you know the logo? Does anyone know Kroger? Okay, a handful of you faithful saints that are going to the kingdom, you know what it is. Florida's broken because it doesn't have Kroger here. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, one of my church members from Marietta, he just texted me a little while ago and he said, here's an updated sermon slide. He works for Kroger and uh, you've seen the Kroger delivery trucks that, that travel around. Apparently you can get a few uh, Kroger items down here, but there's no stores and there's no good deals on those trucks because I like to go into the store to find the deals. See, I know Kroger backwards and forwards. The managers at Kroger, they love me and I love them. And it's like they want me to come and find deals there. Because if you go in the front door of Kroger and you make your way to the right, you will almost always find a rack, a cart, that says Manager's Special right on it. It's deals. Let me tell you, you can find anything you want on there. It might not be good, but it's a deal, let me tell you. <laughs> if the cart is not there, there's a route in every Kroger that you can follow to find the deals. Let me help you out. The first stop is the bakery. Just walk right over to the bakery. Towards the back, there's almost a manager's special rack, a little cart there. You can find the good stuff. And if you are on the right day and right time, on the manager's special rack, you'll find Kroger cinnamon raisin bread. Bar none, best cinnamon raisin bread out there. If there's no manager specials there, the next stop is the milk department, the dairy. You go to the milk aisle. Now see, here's the thing. I love chocolate milk. I love, are there any chocolate milk lovers out there? Yes? Okay. Now we're talking. Let's hang out. We can be friends. Some, some people say, well, I'm vegan. I don't drink chocolate milk. You don't drink milk at all. Milk's bad for you and chocolate milk's even worse. But it's even worse if you have to pay full price for it. 
So if you go to the milk aisle and you open that cabinet and there it is and you look and you see Mayfield chocolate milk and you see Land O'Lakes chocolate milk, sometimes you'll find Kroger chocolate milk and every once in a while it'll have a sticker on it that looks like this. See all these manager special stickers, yellow and orange, manager special, and you know it's a deal. Now if there's no specials on the cart or in the bakery or in the milk, it's, it's hunting time. It's seeking and searching time. Now, if you just walk up and down the aisles, just look for those little yellow stickers, you are bound to find one. If you search high and low, and if you look hard enough, you will find a manager's special, and you know it will be a good deal. In our story with King Solomon and his bride, Shulamit, she is in the middle of seeking and searching for Solomon. And if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open them to Song of Solomon, chapter 3 kind of right there in the middle of the Song of Solomon. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There's a blue book in front of you, and you can follow along on page 480. You'll read the same words that I'm reading as we look at this story. Now, here's some context. Uh, You have to remember the structure of this entire book, this story. It's a chiasm. Here's the picture. You've seen this a few weeks, weeks ago. The beginning and the end work towards the middle where you find the climax at the wedding. And today, we look at the two night scenes. They're identical. They're the same. And so we look at the one in chapter 3 and the one in chapter 5 as well. We start in, the ch- in chapter 3, the first night scene. Now, here's a little bit of the context before we read. Shulamit, the bride, the fiancé, she's asleep And apparently she's a heavy sleeper. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that she snores because she's a very heavy sleeper and dreamer. And we pick up in the story right after she's awoken. Here's what it says. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, starting there in verse 1. She says, All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. In in her dreams, she's looking for him. She's searching for him. She's thinking, where is he? Is he lost? I want him. Verse 2 says this. I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. She searches high. She searches low. She searches in people's houses. She looks over here and over there, and she doesn't find the one she loves but she still keeps searching. She's seeking. It's interesting that in Hebrew, as, as uh, it's recorded in this story, the word for seeking is this Hebrew word, bakash. And it is all throughout the Old Testament. Over and over and over, you see this word, bakash. It's the seeking word. You see it in Isaiah 55, where the prophet says, seek the Lord, bakash the Lord, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Second Chronicles, God speaks to us and he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and bakash, seek me, they'll find me. Lamentations says this, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that bakash seeks him. And every time this word is used in the Old Testament, you'll see there on the, on the slide, you can fill it in on your study guides, this Hebrew word for seek is always used as an intensive you can't bakash halfway. Yeah, I'll look around a little bit. I'll take a gander and see if I find something. 
When you're bakashing, you are intensely seeking. There's nothing that can get in your way. You'll do whatever it takes to find what you're looking for. On my birthday, August 30th, many years ago, my mom was ready to have me. She was pregnant and large and ready to pop, and no one likes being pregnant in the summertime in Mobile, Alabama. Poor girl, she was miserable. To get her mind off of being pregnant, she uh, decided to go run some errands. So she gets the keys and gets in the car and she heads out and she does some errands and she comes back to the house. She parks the car, the only car, in the carport. She goes inside, she props her feet up and gets a glass of lemonade and she's relaxing there. Pretty soon after this, she begins to have contractions and they get closer together and they get more intense. And so she and my dad are talking back and forth and my dad says, well, let's, let's call the, the doctor. They call the doctor and, they, and he says, why don't you come on in? It's time to come on in. So they get their bags, they get their pillows and they put them in the car and they're ready to go except they can't find the only set of keys for their only car. You see where this story is headed? There's my mom. She's hurting, she's in pain, she's ready to have me. They can't find the keys. And so she goes inside. She looks in her pockets. She looks in her purse. She looks in that miscellaneous junk drawer that we all have. Maybe it could be in there. My dad's outside in the car looking under the seats, in between the seats. He's dismantled the console in between the seats. My mom's inside flipping over couches and tearing apart beds. She is bakashing to find those keys. They will search intensely to find them because that's the only way they're getting to the hospital. This is long before Ubers, guys. This is the kind of intense seeking that Shulamit is doing as she's searching for the one she loves. Nothing will get in her way. She's going to find him no matter what. She looks in restaurants. She looks in shops and stores. She looks at the police station because maybe he's there. I mean, you can tell how intense this is because she goes to the mall. Nobody goes to the mall anymore. She's looking everywhere she can to find him. She can't stop and won't stop until she finds him. And so she intensely searches for him. And as she does, she runs into some other people that are out and about late at night. Verse three, here's what it says. She says, the watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves, she says? Maybe you know where he's at. He's about six foot three. He's got beautiful hair, beautiful eyes. Have you seen him? He's the one that I love so much. Have you seen him? Now, it's interesting that in chapter three and chapter five, these night scenes change just a little bit. Because in chapter three, she runs into these watchmen, these security guards, these, these kind men that are keeping the peace and making sure that no one's getting in trouble and there's no crime happening. And she talks to them friendly, saying, have you seen him perhaps? But in chapter 5, she meets up with these same watchmen, yet they treat her differently. They treat her horribly, in fact. Here's what it says. We'll put it on the screen for you. Solomon, Song of Solomon 5, verse 7 says, The watchmen, they found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. It's a different story. As she's frantically searching for her true love, the one she wants to be with, she's faced with adversity. She's faced with physical harm. She's beaten and bruised and stripped naked. 
Her protection is gone. There's nothing that is good about this scene, yet there's nothing that will stop her from seeking the one she loves the most. You know, as I read this story, I wonder if this story is less a story about lovers and it's more an allegory about our journey with Jesus too. As we walk this walk of life, as we're faced with challenges here and there, uh, where is he? You know, sometimes, and maybe for some of you, it's oftentimes we struggle with feeling and touching and knowing and feeling that God is around you, that he's in you, that he's beside you, that he's lifting you up, that he's encouraging you. Sometimes it seems as though his presence at one point in life where you were very connected and very close to him is just a dream that you had and now you're awake and it's completely different now and you can't find him again. You know, sometimes it can feel like our search for finding God and seeing him and knowing him is just a pointless exercise in religion. At some point, we've all wondered if he really exists. And it's during those struggles, those difficulties, when you're beaten and bruised, when the devil's attacking, it's in those moments that we ask questions. We ask questions like, why me, God? Of all the people, why would you let this happen to me? Where were you? When my father died, where were you when I got divorced? When my mom got cancer? When my sister had a miscarriage? Where were you? Where are you? And I think that it's in this search, this continual seeking of God, that we find the basis of Christianity, which is this connection with him, this this all forever time seeking to be closer and closer to him. And it's in those tough times where we question his existence the most, It's then that we have to ramp up our intensity of seeking him. When you question him the most, it's the time to seek the hardest. And as Shulamit, as she continues the search, here's what happens. Now, here's where the story splits. Chapter 3 goes one direction. Chapter 5 goes another direction. Chapter 3, here's the good news. She says this in verse 4 as she passes by those watchmen. She says, scarcely I'd pass them when I found the one my heart loves. She says, I held him and I would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. She finds him. Her searching and her seeking has paid off because she finds the one she loves the most and the one that loves her the most. And she finds him and they're together again. And she does something that I find is very interesting, but also makes sense. She takes him to her mother's house. Now, that's a pretty safe place because I think that any girl that is betrothed to a a man, uh, the mother-in-law is the one that's watching the most careful. Am I right? She's no dummy. She takes this to-be husband straight to her mother's house and she says, you watch him and make sure that he is here. She keeps him safe. And for us, as we search for God, as you get closer to him, when you find him, what are you going to do with him? That relationship with him. See, to me, you bury him in the safest place that you can think of and that's your heart. You put him in there as deep as you can find him. 
uh, listening to the promises that are recorded, listening to other people's faiths, and you put it in there so that he won't leave, not that he wants to, but that you can put him in there and keep him there and remind you even through the difficult times of who he is. But what about the others? Because in chapter 5, she keeps seeking him. She keeps searching him. She continues to look for him until she she bumps into some others. And and in verse 8 in chapter 5, here it is on the screen. Here's what happens. She says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem. She says, I charge you. If you find my love, what will you tell him? Will you tell him that I am faint with love? She goes to her friends, her family, her close buddies, and she says, if you see him, if you find him, would you please tell him that I miss him, that I love him? I wonder this morning, who feels like they may have been searching for God for a very long time? Maybe your entire life. I know there's some here today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe this is you. And I wonder, have you asked others to help you? Have you asked them to share their faith with you that you can latch onto, that will carry you to him? And for the rest of you, on the, on the flip side, I wonder how many of you know someone that has been searching for a long, long time. It might be friends, it might be family, it might be coworkers, neighbors, and they continue to the search. And do we have a responsibility that when we know they're searching, we say, I know where he is. I've found him and I want to share him with you. Look, he's over there. Let me take you to him. You know, just a few months ago, I had the distinct honor of of doing the funeral service of a father of one of my childhood friends. And I got on a plane up in Sanford and I flew up north on a Friday evening and got to their home and we got all settled and I hadn't seen the family in 10 years and so we hung out and it was just a, a great time of connecting again. And, and that night, instead of going to bed at a decent hour, my childhood friend said, Matt, let's talk, man, let's catch up. And so out on the front porch of his house there in the rocking chairs, we, we talked for hours and hours until the wee hours of the morning. The next night, it was the same thing. I had to get up early to go uh, do something else and fly, fly home. And he said, well, Matt, let's just stay up and talk. And so we talked for hours and hours into the wee hours of the morning. And we talked friends, we talked family, we talked careers. But what we focused on the most was faith. And as we talked, the more we talked, I realized that it was my faith that he was grasping for. It was my faith in God that he was holding on to and listening to to my understanding of who God is. And it pulled him along on his faith journey because his his faith journey was just seeking and reaching and looking and searching for God. And while I'm grateful to give him my faith, what I really want is him to find his faith. As he seeks, I want him to connect with God in a way that, that I have. All throughout the Bible, our true love, God has promised us that if we seek, if we search, we will find. All throughout the Bible, Proverbs 8 says it this, says this way. God says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently, they what? They find me. That's a promise. Here it is in Jeremiah. God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He says, you're going to find me. Here's it, here it is in the New Testament, Matthew. Jesus says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. That's a promise that as we seek and search for God, that we will find him. 
But as I think of this uh, analogy of a bride and groom, and we as the church are the bride searching for the groom, does the groom have a responsibility too? I mean, is this a one-way relationship where the people search for the God and hopefully you find him? Because that's not the God that I know. All throughout the Bible, you hear of God also searching He's the prodigal son. We're the prodigal son. He's the father that's at the end of the street looking down saying, there he is, come back. All throughout the, the, the Bible, the lost coin, that's us. And he's searching, he's flipping the room apart trying to find us. I love how Jesus puts it best in Luke chapter 19 where he says, I have come to seek and save the lost. That's the God that I know. He doesn't just wait for you to seek him. He goes in search of you too. He's the one running towards you saying, I'm right here. I've always been here. I came to be with you, to know you and to save you, and I want to be with you forever. On Tuesday mornings in the summer, this church has a special group of people that gather every Tuesday morning. It's all the staff that have families. It's all their kids. There's a bunch of them. We've got Caffrey and Kanan Smith. We've got May Lee and Jack Ellis, our finance manager's kids. We've got Eric and Elin Johnson. That's our treasurer's kids. We've got Kim Descalso's kids. They're right over there. Don't, don't look, everybody. Uh, we've got Asher and Lily and Elliot and Jesse. It's a whole crew. It's like staff daycare. It's awesome. I think, the, I think they love it. I kind of like it, too. I get to hang out with them, find Oreos around, and pass them to the kids. Don't tell the parents. And, and oftentimes they'll play video games, they'll play board games. I've seen kids on scooters and, and skateboards and ripsticks just going around campus, playing basketball out in the, in the uh, parking lot. And one of the games that they play all the time is hide and seek. Now the sanctuary is off limits, so calm down, you don't have to send that email, we'll be okay. But oftentimes they'll do hide and seek. And whoever's it gives, gives some time and all the kids spread out all over the church. In fact, I do know that one of the Descalso kids at one point uh, was sitting in the sanctuary here during church and they were thinking, now where are the good spots that I could hide here? As you leave today, you'll probably be noting some like, oh, that's a good closet. I wonder if they hide in there. And they'll hide all over the place in closets, under tables, behind plants. I don't know if the bathrooms are off limits, I don't know, but they're everywhere. And it's very frequent that I find the person that is it, and they'll come by me and they'll say, hey, Pastor Matt, have you seen so-and-so? It's a fun game, you've played it before too, but wouldn't hide-and-seek be so much easier if the one that was being sought also was seeking the one that was seeking? Because that's the God that I know. He doesn't just say, come find me. He says, as you find me, I'm going to find you too. That's the God that I know, the true love of the Bible that wants nothing more than to be reunited with us and connected with us for all eternity until there's smiles and laughters and singing and praising and hugging. But until we see Jesus face to face, our faith journey continues and we continue to search for him too. May we continue to search for him until the day we get to see him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, what an incredible true love we have in you. A God that doesn't just play hide and seek with us, but a God that plays seek and seek as you search for us too. 
God, I pray a special prayer over those this morning that are, are here in the sanctuary, those that are watching online that are truly uh, feeling like they're lost. May they find you in some way through someone else's faith. Maybe it's a connection in some way. Maybe you just reveal yourself to them in a, in a powerful way. But God, I pray for them in a special way today. God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.